Sweet. We are back, guys, with another episode of the podcast. I don't know how we've got this far. We say it every week, but um, somehow arrived at episode 34. And we have got a very special guest and by far the most intelligent guest we've ever had on this podcast. Sorry, Dan Osman. Yes, it is your friend. <laughs> um, no, joking aside, yeah, uh, we've got Amelia Thompson joining us today. So welcome. Thanks for jumping on. Thank you for having me. I'm just cradling this cup of tea. I've I was just going to say, literally... <laughs> Joining on the screen, cuddling a cup of tea. That is the, a big mug as well, by the way. Yep. Yeah, I've got a giant mug of tea. I've also got a hot water bottle and I've also got a blanket. This is how I do all of my podcast calls, etc. Like I soothe outside of the camera so you can't tell. But uh, yeah, even, even during the summer. So, sometimes during the summer, too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just like comfort. I just like to be comfortable and soothed at all times. I like that. We're going into it. I can't really argue with that, can you? <laughs> Yeah, you're not doing that in, in um, Starbucks, are you, Chris? You'll have to no. ask when waiter comes past in a minute and say, can I have a large mug and I just need a hot water bottle? I've made a, made a rookie error here. I've got a takeaway cup as well. So, like, it's not even, you know, it's kind of cold already. So, no, big, big mistake, schoolboy. Schoolboy error. Love it. So. Love it. Amelia, I'll let you I'll let you take it away, actually, and give uh, the listeners a, a little introduction to yourself. Obviously, we know who you are, but there might be many people that, you know, that are in our network that have, you know, not come across you yet. So, yeah, give us a brief little introduction. Who are you? Um, I never know how to introduce myself properly. I feel like I should be good at it by now, but I'm really not. So I work, I'm an nutrition consultant and I work predominantly with people who are trying to improve their relationships with food or their relationships with their bodies in some way, shape or form. Um, I also used to be a bodybuilder back in the day. I'm a meditation teacher. I'm a, a teacher at some universities and a mentor in business. I also co-run a PT education company called EIQ Nutrition with Emma Story Gordon. Um, and I think that's it in a nutshell. Anything else that you want to just add to that? I've got much more, but we'll be here all day because I'm just that good. So I'll just pull it. I'll stop. Yeah. There we go. I like it. But I mean, the fact that you've got much more, we'll keep that quiet because that's enough what you've just thrown out there, isn't it, really? Um, and obviously, for people listening as well, um, I first came across Amelia over at um, IFS, actually, in Portugal and actually didn't get to see them speak because Mr. Matt pulled me into his speech as been one of his clients and was like, please come into this. So I missed it and I was gutted. I remember messaging you afterwards and I think it was Emma in the end that actually was like, Rob, we're doing an event in Edinburgh. Come and do that. And that was obviously great because it gave me a chance to actually speak to you guys properly. Um, so in terms of that's like, you know, what's actually going on if you like a little introduction to you like what is it that you actually do or shall I say shall I say why do you do what you do uh yeah so I my like I said my background was bodybuilding but before that I've probably had dysfunctional eating habits since I was about 15 myself and um used to be very much one like of the mindset of Kate Moss nothing tastes as good as skinny feels I was very diet culture driven very like classic millennial just constantly dieting all the time trying to be as small as I could and I developed disordered eating habits because of family things I'd gone on food became a bit of a source for me to control my emotions in some way or what felt like I was controlling my emotions in some way but I didn't really know that's what I was doing I was 16 when I started struggling with binge eating and then I didn't resolve that for myself until I was about 31, 32. So I struggled with binge eating on and off for 15, 16 years. And in that kind of the, towards the end of that period, I so I have an undergraduate in sports biomedicine, a master's in sport nutrition, a PhD in physiology. 
and I had all of these qualifications I was teaching in sport nutrition and I was still struggling with my relationship with food and I was like why have all of this knowledge why am I still struggling with this stuff and then I found bodybuilding as a way just to package up all of my disordered eating and put a trophy in like next year (laughs) and so that was a great time for four years and to be fair I did I did enjoy it um I, I was completely obsessed with myself I was completely obsessed with my body um I didn't have a lot of fun outside of bodybuilding and work um but at the time it was great Uh, but when I when I was bodybuilding I realized like after every show I did at least initially I struggled even more with my relationship with food so I'd do like a 12-week prep where I was like meticulous tracking like I was exceptional in prep and then as soon as I finished dieting I would be like bingy and I'd hate my body I would struggle with like binge restrict and I and at the time it was really bro that was 2000 and or was it 2014 maybe I started competing I think and that was when fitness was like really like really bro meal plans no days off like grind be a lion not a sheep all of that stuff was like number one and I was like why am I struggling I'm a bodybuilder why am I struggling with all of this stuff and so I started looking into the research around it because I thought this can't just be me that's struggling with these things and then and, and it wasn't and so I started talking about it a lot writing about it a lot at that time nobody even knew what our relationship with food was um and I just kind of wrote about all the research that I was finding and what I was using for myself and as a result of that I started working with people <coughs> who had similar struggles and then that kind of grew from there so that's kind of why I am where I am doing what I am doing now I love that uh, an overview of 16 and a bit years right <laughs> in, in a nutshell but it even gives us an insight because I didn't even understand or realize half of that so it going back to when you were a kid then or like 15 or whatever were you overweight at that stage then no I've never been overweight I was yeah. a healthy what a healthy weight whatever that yeah, is yeah. Um, I was a healthy BMI at that time um, and I've always been a healthy weight so to speak except when I was underweight when I was competing or I was I'd was underweight when I was at uni as well, actually, because again, I just controlled my food meticulously when I was stressed um, or anxious. But no, I've never been in a larger body ever. Understood. And I know there'll be a question on people's lips, which is how have you overcome this? And obviously you've got all these methods and stuff, and we'll we'll get into that. But let's let's jump into a little bit of like the the bodybuilding world then. Cause I think what you've done there, it shows the kind of like mindset that you've got. Like you were you actually were intrigued by it and you were like, hang on a minute, I can't be the only person that's struggling. Let's do a bit of research and let's document this. So in that bodybuilding place, would you say you were in a good place or in a pretty bad place? Um I think that I was in a I think I was in a fine place like and actually fine is probably the exact word for it because I was always fine underneath stuff was going on um it's like that iceberg analogy of like on the outside like you know it's okay but underneath it was like peddling away like as fast as I could trying to like stay afloat it was kind of like that um I think for me like it was I, I wasn't I was in a really bad relationship at the time um I had moved to a new city bodybuilding for me was like a bit of control my partner in the time like I said he was a bodybuilder too so it felt I I was happy I look back on it now and think I wasn't wholesome happy like I wasn't wholehearted happy I was ticking the boxes I'm achieving things happy um but I was struggling with my relationship with food on and off for that four years too so I I don't think you can ever be completely coming out of it I don't think I would could ever say that I was fully 100% soul happy which which 
is what I'd say more so I am now. I don't mean happy all the time. I just mean what I think happiness is. If yes. Yeah, 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 Com- completely. And so let's stay in a little bit with that bodybuilding world in terms of like before and afters. This is a, just a question that I have for you. Your thoughts on before and after pictures and before you answer it as well what we'll say obviously I mean you know we do before and afters with clients we also obviously take into account their thoughts feelings and how things have changed and it was something that me and Chris just spoke about before you came on and I was saying like you know I semi know where Amelia is at with it but I'd love to hear the thoughts because at the end of the day as coaches we're open-minded and we're open to hearing other people's opinions and stuff and I think it's great for us guys as coaches to learn in that kind of like way so yeah what, what are your thoughts on that how does your mind work around it? So I don't <laughs> right. I don't personally use them, right? They don't allow don't me. Sit the, don't sit on the fence here. I, I won't. I've done enough posts about them. I can't be like on social media behind the screen, like I hate them. And then on a podcast be like, it's fine. No. Um, so I don't agree with them. I've got many people who I really respect in the industry who use them. So I would say that. Um, but personally, I don't agree with them for a number of reasons. I'm going to try and think of what they all are because I have many. One is that it doesn't benefit my clients to see me glorifying fat loss. Most of my clients have some sort of troubled relationship with food and an emphasis on a body, anything to do with the body particularly is detrimental to their body image, which is then detrimental to their relationship with food. So if I'm thinking about who my priority is is not my followers or not new customers or clients my new my priority is the current people that I work with so number one it it exacerbates their relationship with their body and I don't want to do that so that's the first reason second reason is that um I don't I think it exacerbates like this thin ideal that we have that thinner is better that thinner is healthier that thinner is fitness um that thinner is more successful and, and it ties into um weight bias where we've so we've been so conditioned to believe that leaner just means more success all the time it's like I remember I went through a phase where I was trying to actively gain weight and sometimes I still do that like I prefer myself when I'm a bit fatter right I don't talk about it anymore because when I've said it online before I mean it's great for engagement but people cannot physically understand why someone would want to be slightly bigger than rather than slightly leaner and I and and I think that I'm kind of tired of challenging that in the sense of I think aesthetically it's a bit nicer to have bigger boobs and a bigger arse for for my personal preference so that's why I like it and so transformation pictures are always bigger to smaller that means smaller is better right always that's that's what we're saying again not beneficial to my clients not something that I believe something that I'm actively trying to fight against um another reason is that they don't show anything about relationships with food relationships with health they are just like this is just from a to b and so my outcomes might be fat loss but that might be five percent of the overall health concept that I'm working with and everything else in a transformation picture might have gone backwards but if someone looks leaner then it's like, oh, well, that must be, that's good. And it's like, well, no, I I would much rather someone stayed in the body size that they wanted to, like a a kind of healthy body range and everything else improved, their relationships, their mental health, their physical health, all that improved and their body didn't stay the same. To me, infinitely better. Um, I mean, that that might be it in a nutshell. The other thing that I don't like is when, and I think this is really problematic, is when people do transformation pictures and then they say, it's not about the body it's about the mind this person's mindset's improved so much and I know you're smiling which means I think you probably do it but what pisses me off about that is that it's saying this is what a healthy mindset looks like 
healthy an improved mindset looks like leaner and it's not it might be for some people but for other people in improving their mindset they might gain weight and that's also fine so I just hate the association of health fitness or anything being with fat loss that's not what it is although fat loss is totally fine um so but I used to use them way in the past before I realized the problems that I had with them so um I, I understand and I also understand and you guys might say, like, I don't know if you agree with this or not. I also understand good coaches who use them, kind of giving people what they want, selling people what they want and then giving them what they need in the sense of people respond to fat loss transformations. I know I'm a really good coach. When I take them in, then I'm going to support them. And actually, I've done them a much, I've done them a good service. But I see people using transformation pictures for binge eating and stuff. And it's just like it to me, it's so, so toxic. But yeah. like, what, like, what do you guys think? Go on, Chris. I'll let I'll let you jump in. Um, yeah, you're going to jump in then. So, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've I've written loads down here. Um, <laughs> I won't, I won't, Have I won't you written a novel there. again? <laughs> yeah, this is what I did last time, isn't it? Um, I think there's there's I mean, there's loads of things you can unpack, and I I'm, I'm not going to sell the fence here, but I do think we're pretty good at trying to showcase all the other stuff around well this is the journey but ultimately this is giving them more energy they've got better better lifestyles outside of fit, the fitness side of it and they've got they've built in habits that they can sustain and so on and so forth like it will be very much focused around that side of it as well the the front end of it looks quite vain let's be fair so we're very much kind of what's the word conscious of it right um but I, I made a note of you mentioned about like your bodybuilding and having that trophy to kind of go along with that journey and I just made a note of like almost almost like doing like a photo shoot for example where you get that token of a photo and it's like right that that is happiness when actually you're like that for a matter of hours and afterwards you're like right was that it mm. as opposed to actually going well what does what does happiness actually look like? And I'm, I've got a question for you, whether you don't answer it now or, or a little bit later. But one thing that I find is that people really struggle with knowing what that happiness is for them in terms of what they look like, whether that is carrying a little bit of body fat. So someone asked me the other day, like, oh, like, are, you, are you happy with how you look? Like, I'm going to Dubai next week, supposedly to do a photo shoot, and I'm like not lean particularly in my in my head, but I'm really happy with how I am. So I'm like not putting any extra pressure on it. And I'm cool with that. Ultimately, I'm a bit more educated and knowledgeable about how I could do certain things. But, you know, a general population client who's potentially got a bad relationship with food is going to really struggle with going through that process and then having that picture and going, right, well, now what? Mm. If they don't actually know what it looks like. And I think that's that's a real struggle because there are a lot of before and after photos. So they see social media like, right, that's what I need to get to. Like you get, oh, I need to get to X amount of weight. It's like, well, why is that weight so magical that that's going to define your success and happiness? Because you might get there and be even more miserable than what you are now. Yeah. So think- the, co- the coaching side of it is so important to make sure that all these other emotions around it are are well, um, well, well coached and well managed. Mm. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that's probably what like good coaches like, well, I know know that's what good coaches like you do, right? And it's which is why I'm not, I don't shoot people down automatically for like using transformation pictures and stuff. But, you know, I've had, I know people who 
a lot of people that work with me don't want people to know that they work with me because they struggle with the relationship with food and stuff and that's absolutely fine but often I'll see they'll send me that their old coaches using their transformation pictures to sell their fat loss program after those programs they've then come to me because they've struggled so badly with Benji and they've gained a lot of weight and it's like these old coaches are using their transformation pictures to, to make money when actually the person is infinitely worse off because they've regained the weight and they're in a really bad place and it's sold as like that person like that's the end goal like you said right that's the happy point and this association between our bodies and, and happiness is just transformation pictures for me exacerbate that in the sense of they're saying achieve this goal this person's so happy and they look so much leaner and I think what you said is so interesting about the shoot like you're happy with where you are you're not your leanest but that happiness is not coming from the fact of what you weigh it's coming from the fact that you're probably living a pretty contented life you're acting in line with your values you've got other you're connected you've got a purpose that's why you're happy and like for me when it comes to happiness with your body it's like happiness with your body comes from a place of can I live my best life can I maintain my relationships and go out to eat do I feel relatively comfortable in what I'm wearing like am I thinking about my body a lot or can I just put on something and go out the house even if I'm having a bad a bad day about how I feel like I don't feel great in my body every single day but I can wear something comfortable and crack on with my day do I have a good sex drive can I do I eat a variety of food to me that's happiness in your body it and I've seen from and I genuinely have worked with thousands of people who think that initially I just want to be happy in my body they think that means a, a scale weight and it's it's really not that it's when you're your healthiest and your happiness happiest you're happiest in your body because you're like my body's allowing me to do all of these things we just think about it the wrong way and again that's why with transformation pictures I'm like just th that's not what was going to bring you the feeling that you're looking for it, it, again my lens my client type etc very I'm very aware of that I think it, I think it's 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 really interesting because it, it obviously it totally depends on the individual, right? Like we we generally might get a guy come to us and go, right? I just want a six pack. That's genuinely what I want, and it could be a case of just A to B. Let's get you there. Let's do it, and they're pretty sort of happy with just doing that. So to showcase that and share that, fine. But it's it's the context around it, isn't it? There's always got to be the context and the deeper like meaning with things so I, something that i've genuinely really pushed hard with a few of my clients is just not not weighing themselves just take the scales away like that's really impacting you you from a psychological point of view it's not actually making you want to go and train somehow it's making you have a bit more irrational decisions around your nutrition so let's just take that away and see how you go and i've had two check-ins this week where it's like I'm, I'm in such a good place and they haven't weighed themselves for like three weeks and it's it that's been a learning for me where I'm like, right, this is actually a strategy that actually could be really, really important to work with some individuals, not everybody, because some, some people feel like they might need that, that data and the metrics to just see where they're at day to day, week to week. But some genuinely, you need the, I guess it's like the, the, the soft skills of, as a coach to kind of go, let's, let's dial this right down or even take it away fully and see how they react. Mm. And that can take a few weeks, which, is again gonna gonna need some management because people want quick quick fixes, right? So yeah. there's like the management of expectations around this is this is a journey, whether that's the right phrase or not, but this is something that you're gonna have to kind of like really buy into and, and be a part of, which again, I think we do a pretty good job at that, Rob. I don't know if you, you you'll you'll probably agree, obviously, it's your business, but um 
yeah, I think I think we do do a pretty good job of that anyway. Across the I, board. Think, I think we I, do. I, I've, I've been talking for too long, so I'm gonna just gonna. <laughs> not one bit, mate. Not one bit. But uh, I mean, I love that you gave a phenomenal answer there, Amelia, with so many different points and great reasons why, and that was why I wanted to actually ask it because it's great to get that message out there. And there's there's something that I say to clients so often is, you know, when someone's worried, for example, about something like weight, like Chris said, then A, taking the weight out of there, but also saying, look, if it's all about weight, we can drop your calories, we can make you eat dust for the rest of your life, you'll soon become extremely unhappy, extremely lean, have zero energy. And here's the next thing behind this is it's not health. And what I express to clients all the time is your health is way more important to me than that physique. I know that you're wanting a feeling, but that feeling that you're after isn't going to come from just dropping weight. And that's kind of like what you've said then. And that was, um, I'll be honest, I guess this is like the learning curves of um, going through stages as a coach. So, you know, when I first got into even doing body transformation, so to speak, that's even how it's worded, body transformations. And I was like, but what about the individual's mind? And then when I started understanding more about psychology, I was like, hang on, this needs to be as much a physical transformation as a mental one for this individual. And if it's the physical and the mental, it's about optimizing both of those areas. This individual is going to be happy, energized and, and healthy, so to speak. So that to me then became more important. And that was where we then, we didn't, like, like, you know, we haven't come away from releasing before and after pictures, but we do it with a video in the background where the individual's kind of saying, you know, my relationship with food has massively improved. Um, you know, I've got more energy. And what's funny is every testimonial that we film, the client 9.9 times out of 10 never says to us, I lost X amount of weight. They talk about everything else that they've gained. I feel in control. I'm happy. I can wear the clothes that I want, et cetera, et cetera. And I sit there and, it, you know, that realization where you sit there and go, this is actually why we do what we do. And putting that video in the background is exactly like what you're saying. An image is just a moment in time. But when you hear what's actually happened for that individual's life, I think it's huge. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I agree. It's it's hard to articulate all of those things. Yes. In one. <laughs> post and transformation pictures are easier so I think yeah the combination is ideal right I mean again not for me I wouldn't use them but for someone like you yeah 100% yeah and it's but I think like what what you said then is as well it gives like people some people have the expectation and we know what comparison syndromes like nowadays right you'll battle with it with your clients we but I say battle with it like work with it with your clients we'll work with it with our clients because it's so evident across all these social media channels now, people wanting to be someone else or they come to you with this expectation of seeing someone else's transformation. Like I want that. And it's like, hang on, do you really, you know, and it's, you know, going through the five whys, but I knew that would be a good talking point for us. So <laughs> yeah, good, good um, ones all around. Let's um, unless Chris, did you want to jump in? No, did I, did I look like I wanted to? yeah 100 percent. was i like was no. i like eager like jumping up? Uh, no i don't think so uh, I'm gonna get... yeah it, it is really hard to package all this stuff up and i don't think we're going to do it in a 45 minute hour podcast um yeah I, I, it's it's a real a real a real challenge because it is it's a, it is a like it's a fine balance and as long as i think as long as the message is pretty pretty clear and there is there is clarity behind the message um like <laughs> I'm even sat here literally just thinking like all of my transformations have got like a stamp on it of like, this is how much they've lost. And I'm thinking, I'm like, I have to take that out because it's not about that. <laughs> literally, I'm just like going, right, I look like a right titty here now. Like, just maybe <laughs> take that out. Um, 
So yeah, it's, it's, it's good. But it's, it's like it's these things. Like we're we're, we're going to be learning as much with the likes of media on these podcasts and potentially change the way we do things. But also, what I will say is on that point. Amelia made that great point there of like she said before, um, there's, you know, great transformation co- or people that use transformation images for their business. And this is a key point, right? And anyone listening, it gives you an insight if you're a client is that unfortunately, the sad thing is transformation images sell. So that brings people into your business. But then if you're the coach that actually has that caring approach that wants to improve the relationship with food and really work with you and put your health first, you know, like all of us three on this call now, then even if that image does sell, at least they're then getting what they need on the inside. So you're using what they want to get them in, but then you're giving them what they need once they're on the inside. And I think that's the that's the difference between the coaches that use them in the right way, my opinion. Cool. <laughs> Amelia's like, yes. <laughs> um, let, let, let's swing it, let's swing it back to you. Um, going back to what you were saying in terms of the um like um eating disorder so to speak you know overeating binge eating etc um so like i said the, the interesting question that people would be asking is right so you went through quite a cycle quite a lot of years but you did what many people don't do you got curious you dug deeper with it and you started to gain an understanding i guess like my question would be how did you overcome this like you know what was there like a framework that you've come up with in the end and don't reveal all your secrets we know that but is there like a step-by-step? No, give us some all. We need them all. Come on. Yeah, give us them all. <laughs> um, but is there like a, a step-by-step framework, like a basic thing that you advised people to kind of go, look, this is kind of like where to start. And I know there's loads of stuff and we'll share your social media at the end and stuff. But what would you kind of say in that in that moment for yourself, for your journey? So I think one thing to know, and what's really important is, is understanding what binge eating is and what overeating is, because binge eating is quite distinct from overeating. And if you're in our industry now we're very like colloquial with it we're like oh I'm bi- I binge all the time and and if that's the case you may be experiencing binge eating disorder which will require specific support right um the difference between binge eating and overeating with binge eating you experience a severe loss of control with overeating if if you really had to stop you could and often with binge eating the way that I describe it is kind of like it almost feels like an out-of-body experience like you couldn't pause you're not in your body and and when you kind of come back around it's like you've you've already binged um that so in the in the dsm5 we're like it's a severe loss of control often it's a larger amount of calories than you require but it's not always so there's two different types of binges you can get subjective and objective binges objective binges are like you consume more calories than you than you normally would and a subjective binge could be actually not that many calories but you still feel like you get a loss of control and what's really important about that is um, you st- in the research, we know that it still impacts your quality of life in the same way. So it's still really important not to just ignore that. So that's one thing just to note, because everyone needs to know, like, is it is it binge eating or is it overeating? Because strategies are slightly different. Um, for me, realistically, I how I first fell into it was I when I was looking at the research I found this program and it was called the mindfulness-based eating awareness training program and that was a an eight-week program that had been published quite a lot of time in in peer-reviewed journals and it was specifically for people who were in larger bodies who experienced binge eating to some in some way shape or form and the program was mindfulness-based right so it was incorporation of things like mindful eating techniques um, meditation self-compassion 
emotional regulation, and it all kind of tied together in the specific program. And so what I did was think, okay, well, I'm going to take little bits of this and just try it. And in the very early days, I was doing things like eating with chopsticks or teaspoons to try and slow myself down because I didn't even know what mindful eating was. And I was like, okay, so I just have to not eat with the TV. Okay, well, I can do that. I'll just not eat with the TV. And I really, really started like basic level, okay, mindfulness. So then I started mindfulness work. I started doing some meditation. And through meditation, I, I learned about self-compassion. So I started incorporating self-compassion in there. And I, on simultaneously, something that I didn't do early enough, which I should have done, was stop dieting. The restriction with binge eating, it's kind of like it's multifactorial, right? There are lots of reasons why you could be binge eating. The problem with dieting at the same time as binge eating is that you are hungry. And when you're hungry, it's a hell of a lot harder to pause and to make decisions in line with your values and your health if you're just that hungry that you're just like thinking about food. And also when you're hungry, you guys will know as dieting goes on, your food preoccupation increases, your body preoccupation increases, right? You start to think about food more. Like when I was prepping, I would be watching TV and I could see like a packet of crisps in the background of the conversation on the floor. And I'd be like, oh my God, I really need crisps. Like it was, it was wild how obsessed with food I was. Um, and so you that hap- like that's an extreme, right? But that does happen as you continue to diet. So as you're people who struggle with binge eating will often restrict because they are trying to undo the damage, so to speak, of what they've done. It's like a compensation thing. They'll over restrict, they'll overdo cardio, and they'll they'll kind of purge in some way, shape, or form. And um, so cutting that stuff out, stopping the restriction is essential. So it's really you kind of want to take well, like take each of those factors into consideration start eating regularly no fasting no restriction um start eating mindfully and then working on your overall mindfulness your overall compassion because again what happened happens a lot with binge eating is that you're really horrible to yourself and you know you call yourself a failure you're frustrated with yourself and even with dieting alone we know that self-compassion is associated with like improved fat loss actually lower bmis and it's associated with improved recovery from binge eating because you're when you binge you don't hate on yourself and so that increases your likelihood of binge eating again if you're just being critical so working on all of those things is really important um like i said there's there's so much more to it um and it depends on the severity of that for you and if you're struggling with binge eating disorder that requires dietetic support and therapeutic support that is you know I have people on my team that do that now because it's beyond my scope of practice you know so it really depends where you fall I'm talking more to people who maybe struggle with binge eating but are not necessarily in that eating disorder realm although yep. some of that stuff would still cross over yeah 100% and I think that's a I mean again a great overview like like we know for anyone listening like it is an overview because it is such an in-depth sub- subject and you actually touched on my next uh, my next two questions um which are you mentioned then about like dieting and obviously taking that away I am of the belief I could be wrong that you have almost like a no diet approach um you know to the way that you coach right so no so do you know what people think this right I'd say 99% of people that come to work with me have a fat loss goal um it's just that the way that we some people will go straight into fat loss you know if someone's just struggling with a bit of like overeating at the weekends and has a bit of all or nothing mentality then you know working on your relationship with food and going through a fat loss phase is, is fine to do that at the same time if you're regularly overeating the best way you can lose fat is to not diet for a significant number of months you know usually the minimum for me would be like three months it depends on 
your relationship with food, right? You're going to have much more success if you work on your relationship with food for a few months. Stop overeating, stop binge eating, find a place where you're connected to your body again, that you're acting out of, of a place of body respect, body love. And I don't mean the way it looks necessarily. I just mean the way that you treat her, him, them, they. And then yeah. um, once you've done that, then you can go into a fat loss goal. And what's amazing about that is by the time you get to the end of your fat loss goal, if you're still doing all of these habits, you've maintained your good relationship with food. You're not doing the thing that 80% of people do, which is regain the weight. Because we know from statistically, 80% of weight loss re is regained after five years. Um, so you want it to be successful, right? Doing the same thing over and over again, where you're just like diet, regain, diet, regain, diet, regain. Like, why do we think that's a normal way for us to live? Why do we think that it's normal to diet for a holiday, diet before Christmas, repeat, repeat for 10, 20 years? Why do we think that, that we even have to do that? There is an actual, there is a life there where you can be like, okay, I'm quite happy in my body. That's the way I'm going to live for the next 20 years. Like, can you even imagine what that is like? Like, and that's what I want people to get to. Yeah. I was just going to say, do, do, you, do, do you find that people go through like that just being more mindful about things and not overeating and taking it back, then they don't actually need to, need to go into a fat loss phase afterwards because they could have potentially just got to a place where they're happy with the body and they've got a good relationship with food. So they're like, actually, I'm all right now. Mm -hmm. Or they've actually potentially even lost weight just by doing that without having tracked anything or anything like that. Yeah. All of that happens. All of that happens. So a lot of people that come to me will be in a healthy BMI. And then they're like, oh, I realize actually if I diet, I'll have to miss out on some social connections to some degree a little bit. I'll, you know, have to reduce my food intake. So, you know, I'm not going to get as many nutrients and actually like it'll take away from my life. And I realize I don't need to do that. I'm content with where I am. Um, and, and, and also people in larger bodies. So I've got a client at the moment, actually, who lost 10 pounds in a month. She's not dieting. We've just literally worked on her relationship with food and that's it. And she, we weren't weighing. And then we had a college cycle, like, oh, by the way, I just went on scales just to see. And I, she said, I'm not particularly bothered, but I thought you might want to know I lost 10 pounds since we started. And I was like, great like I'm happy for you that that's because she does have a health goal she's in a larger body and it's beneficial for her health right and the goal is to, to potentially go into more of a fat loss phase once she's done all this stuff so absolutely people think that stopping dieting is going to make them gain weight and often stopping dieting makes people lose weight because they just are not overeating it's wild did, did you work with her on like any any kind of exercise movement fitness stuff as so, well yeah yeah so for her she um started resistance training a couple of times a week and we so the way that i incorporate movement is walking like don't do step targets usually sometimes i'll do like a minimum of like six thousand for some people but i don't do like really meticulous step targets it will be some form of movement every day resistance training a couple of times a week and some yoga and that's so that's what she's incorporated in and and food like education so she has ins uh, impaired insulin sensitivity and high cholesterol so it's working on things like you know including more fiber things like that so it's normal nutrition normal healthful nutrition guidelines so of course she's gone into a calorie deficit obviously that's the only way that would happen um and so that has mostly come from that as, as well as obviously the reduction in, over, in overeating yep um with that as well so like what you said then a lot of this is coming from this um, self-love and this compassion compassionate place which uh, like we know there's a phrase that uh, Chris actually brought to the table maybe a year ago now uh, where I went with Miller said you know talk to yourself like you talk to your best friend 
because Where if you Miller, what yeah. a throwback that is! There you I go, love, a bit of break, man, yeah. I break. loved him. I was. Yes. I, I didn't really love prison break. I just loved him. I think he was. Just loved him. Fucking <laughs> my type. Lots of lots of letdown. Yeah, it's amazing. So prison break was class, but yeah, we won't get sidetracked. But yeah, we're, we're, he basically said that in terms of it that um, you know, it's like you know, talk to yourself like you talk to your best friend. Now, it's a phrase that stuck with me because it's like when P, when you're working with clients, we know what they're saying to themselves in their head, right? We know that basically the abuse that they're giving to their own mind. And it's obviously a place where you've come from and, you know, it's great. We see it on your, um, you know, on your socials and everything. It's actually calming even for someone like me. Sometimes I see it and I'm like, Amelia's chilled. It's like Zen or, you know, however you want to put it. And, you know, that particular approach for me, I know has been massive with a lot of clients to get them to realize this and what you've just touched on there. So, you know, I guess the point why I'm bringing it up is so that other people listening realize that just something as simple as, being kind to yourself okay like appreciating the things that you've got can have a considerable impact upon your health i'm not even just going to say on a fat loss i'm just going to say on your health in general um and you know you've covered it as well because my other question was going to be you know were you always into self-love like how did this come about but you've answered it as you've gone through the podcast yeah so. i think do you know what people always say to me like oh you seem so zen and i'm like it's very easy to be zen when you don't have kids running around and you don't have an asshole of a partner and like you <laughs> love your job like it's very easy to be zen in that situation right um but i i, I do think people there's a couple of things there it's really easy to say respect your body and love your body and stuff but it's very difficult to treat your body well if you don't love it and you and and a lot of people with struggle with the relationship with food hate their bodies and so the idea of treating it well is like why would I do that and when you're like it's something simple as being kind to yourself being kind to yourself I think is one of the hardest things that a lot of people have to figure out how to do um but I also think so I and you guys might relate to this I don't know like I've always been someone who's like super high achiever like wants to do like perfectionist always wanting to do more and more and more and so the idea of being kind to myself and this happens with dieters too was like well why would I be nice to myself because I'll just not do anything I'll just take it easy I just won't try try anymore because I'll be like screw it I want to go and like binge watch prison break or whatever right <laughs> and you think that's what's going to happen but again we know that's not what happens self-compassionate people tend to achieve more they tend to like um push forwards when they have setbacks because they see setbacks as opportunities for growth not for like um self-criticism they don't take things personally all of these things mean that people who are self-compassionate achieve more and 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 i'm talking fat loss here but it's also in business it's also in every other part of life and as soon as i realized that of like oh actually if i'm kind and present and a bit calmer and zen actually my capacity to be more and to be better is infinitely higher but it's a lie that we've told ourselves, and i think it's a bit of capitalism of like it's just pushed on us do more be harder on yourself like don't be like pathetic and we think that that's the way to grow and it's like or to succeed and it's really not most of the time amazing and with that i mean you've given some phenomenal answers today digging deeper here uh, on this one of thoughts on the coaching industry to where it is today and the reason why i bring this up this actually was added in last minute because me and Mr. Dan Osman were talking this morning on the um, on the DMs, and if you've seen his story, you'll know why. But we were talking about this. What what are your thoughts on the coaching industry as to where it is today? 
Sorry, it's the first time Amelia's put her head down this whole time. She's like, this is the first time <laughs> oh, this question again. God she's like, they're, they're digging deep here with some, um, yeah. I, 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 so I'm, I think I'm really lucky. I'm, and we're in probably similar echo chambers of like, I think the coaching industry that I see is phenomenal, especially with EIQ. You know, the, the people that have come out of EIQ, I just think, uh, are just incredible and I wish I was that good a coach when I started coaching I really do and I think that collectively in my echo chamber probably your echo chamber we're all just trying to do our very best to support people and it's we've come on so far and I genuinely believe that we've progressed a lot um on the flip side of that there are of course some absolute like moronic coaching practices out there and what I think is the problem at the moment is like this certain podcasts that are just pushing shit nutrition narratives that are trickling down into the fitness industry and that's actually a bit of an issue right now in terms of like coaches that are maybe not so educated in in nutrition getting their nutrition education from a podcast that's about business for example and it's like why on earth would you take that knowledge and use it with your clients so I honestly think the coach, I honestly think the fitness industry has come so far. Like I said, when I was competing, relationship with food was not a term that anybody used. And now look where we're at, where, where we're at, we are. I'd, 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 I honestly am, I'm quite optimistic about it. I, just, I think there's, in any industry, there's shit practice. In any industry, there is. And at yeah. some point, at some point, I think there's a level of awareness where it's like, we can talk about this stuff all we want, but to some degree, I think, and I hate the personal responsibility narrative as a whole. Like, I think that's quite toxic, right? But I do think, think about everything that you've done so far before you go and join a new coach and think, why is this coach different to anything that I've done before? There's a certain level of like personal awareness of saying, okay, I know that I struggle with my body image. Do I want to go to someone who only posts transformation pictures? And that's it. Do I really think that's going to be the way to solve my struggles? Um, and that's what like I don't I think that is what I think at the moment I mean it, it depends like I'm not hormonal today so I'm probably in a good place to answer that question and if you'd asked me a week ago I might have had a different answer I don't know you'd have, you'd have bit me head off <laughs> possibly yeah and be like coaches are shit um but no I think that I think that's what do you think what do you guys think do you want to go for I mean I think I'll touch on one thing even on like Sammy on like Chris's behalf here a bit like what you said I mean I've been now coming around to year 13 in the industry and I've grown more in the last like four or five years than I ever did at the start because like you say, so much has developed and changed. And, you know, the way how I I even mentioned to Chris, I'm like, you know, what are you now? 18 months, Chris, in the industry? Give or or take, yeah. Give or take 18 months. And I'm looking at Chris as a coach and he's, you know, I mean, he's a better coach than I was after 10 years. (laughs) You know already, and it's like that that acceleration. I think my my honest opinion is that there are a lot of coaches coming through that are trying to skip hurdles, that are trying to just jump at stuff without learning, you know, properly. So they're trying to skip the education and just trying to get clients in, for example. And I think that's the most critical thing. Like what I notice from the most successful coaches, people like yourself and whatnot that we like bring on and we'll speak to or are in my network, 
is every single one of them has a background of actually, you know, learning and educating themselves as a coach. You know, like you say, not just taking context off a podcast, going and doing a qualification like EIQ, for example, you know, they've actually learned, they've spent time, not going to say in the trenches, but they've spent time, you know, in gyms, actually working with clients and evolving. And that's, I think, that's the thing that I would say is like the minor bugbear for me is it's like, don't necessarily try and grow your business and push it 10x, you know, to some certain level if you haven't learned to be a great coach first. Like spend time growing and evolving as a coach and then, you know, push yourselves on. That's that's where I would stand with it. But like you say, like, you know, in every industry, there's in every industry, there's always going to be poor, poor level. And in every industry, there's always going to be great level. And there's always going to be the in-between. So, yeah, it's whether we can stop it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jump in. Am I saying to me here? Jump in, Chris, as the as the freshest member to coaching. Yeah, let's. I feel like I'm like an absolute like beginner now. I just eighteen months, um, but I, I actually think I can probably I can probably add a bit of value here. Maybe just a touch. Um, I think like the, the big the big thing for me, having obviously I've been around like my, my brother's obviously been in the industry ages. So I'm not sort of like I'm not a total novice, right? So I've seen a lot of. A lot of change and a lot of things go on. Obviously, and obviously you, Rob, as well. So there's been a lot, of, a lot of, a lot of things change, and and obviously I follow all manner of people on this, or I have done previously. And I think this might be the most like vague kind of answer to the question, whatever the question was, because I forgot now. Um, it's basically just if you're like a pretty decent human being and you care about other people and you want the best for them as well as understanding how you can push them to reach their goal. You're not going to go far wrong with that. It's when you get the, the dollar signs and all this other stuff. Oh, you could just like race people through this program and then get loads of other people to do the same thing. And then you get loads of money. And this is how you do that quicker and quicker and quicker. So you kind of then turn from being like an actual coach wanting to help people to an entrepreneur. Hmm. and I feel this is my opinion I feel like that's where it's kind of got a bit lost and you've kind of almost got like two strands of the industry of like just do this just to make a shit ton of money or do this to actually be the best coach you can possibly be and I feel like we're more this way I'd like to think um but that's like what I like you know we've we've had a load of conversations Rob over the last 18 months about certain ways of doing things and the best way to, to do things I think like I made I made a note from you, Amelia, of like your your like total focus, or the, the majority of your focus is on your current clients because that's what matters to you, and that's what matters to you and your business is making sure that they're getting the absolute best from you and, and your team, um, as opposed to potential clients and slash customers. That's what you said, and I was like, that that, that really resonates with me and us because I like to think that's how we we work. It's like we want to give our current clients the absolute best opportunity that they can be the best version of themselves. Mm. And for me, that's essentially what it boils down to. If you've got that drive to help people and to coach people to be the best of themselves, then I don't think, personally, I don't think you can go far wrong as long as you've also got the hat of, I need to keep pushing myself and educating myself so that the service is constantly getting better. Totally agree. I think I think that's my point. I think I, I think I can wrap. I think I can wrap up there. I think I think, I think that was more concise than you than than you think. I think that I, to, I totally I'll re, agree. I'll re, I'll re, I'll re listen to it later <laughs> and go. Oh yeah, not bad. Or or yeah, shut up.
do you know what I think though I think the mentoring the mentoring part of the fitness industry is actually the problem not the coaching part most of the time now because we have just these people being like oh 10x your income or make this much money and it just it people start treating their clients as a means to an end and I think that's just disgusting and and I think that's the way I think that's a problem that we've got now of like I've not been in the industry that long I've only been coaching for six years um so it's like when I first started I wouldn't I can't even imagine thinking about like a six what is it six figure seven Emma always makes fun of me because I get this wrong I think it's six seven figures I don't know anyway seven figure seven figure I always get this wrong she's like you need a lot of money yeah she's also like you need to stop saying this in talks because you get it wrong every time and I'm like damn it um but like you just don't you don't think about that you shouldn't be thinking about that when you're first starting entrepreneur or not you're here to help people and I think people sometimes get lost in that when they see all of this shitty mentoring that's just like screenshots of money all the time and I think if one of my clients saw me doing that because I mentor people but if I went onto my stories now and screenshot some sort of income of one of the girls that I mentor or people that I mentor my clients would be like what the, what the hell like is that is that why you're working with me and it's like yeah, no I, don't yeah. really help. I think that's one of the issues but anyway that's a whole other but it, I actually wrote down right at the start this was like like your values like and I was going to pose a question like what are your values but that it, that comes through in that is like your values are pretty strong in terms of helping people right yeah as opposed to I just want like financial freedom or whatever whatever it yeah. you know six I figure think... seven figure eight figure I don't know what figure is it <laughs> I don't know but yeah, like... <laughs> I don't know but no I totally I think that I think every coach shouldn't or every person should know their values right because I always feel like a cliche when I get asked and it's like I did a business podcast recently and he was like what are your values and I was like love and compassion and impact and I was like but like before when I was first starting talking about business I always felt stupid saying that whereas now like it's genuinely true and I think okay well I might miss a conference to speak at a conference because I'm with my family for example and to me that's I'm succeeding in my life because that's my marker of success is living in line with my values and and I think that's like so so important when it comes to your business it's like you can see a business that you should be able to see a business or a coach's values by looking at their social media by looking at the way that they coach and if and if if I started talking about all of that stuff it would be like so incongruent to everything that I say that I value it would just be odd not because money's not important of course it's important and I do still care about like my income and my financial stability but it's also like no one's and I think again this is not this is not coaches specific if you're not living in line with your values you're going to be miserable if you're on a 10 figure income whatever that is like you're never going to like you're never going to be happy with it we've got to 10 figures now you know what we're gonna say she's gonna keep going up now we're just gonna clip this bit off and just send it to Emma aren't we go on ever she's at it again You know what? Um, I mean, Chris, have you got any any final questions? Did you have anything else you wanted to throw in there for Amelia today? No, I was going to ask her about her first dates experience, but we can just save that for, for another time. Save it for another time. Don't yeah, worry. Time. I, I sent I sent mine and Chris's uh, mine and Chris's best pal on there, so he, he's been through it all as well. No way. Yeah. yeah. 
I love that. I love that we uh yeah that we knock about with. So he he went on it. It was uh, by the way probably the best application I've ever done in my life. But like you say, story for another day. Um, <laughs> what I will say is a huge thank you uh, for jumping on and joining us. It has yeah, honestly very much honestly been a pleasure. You've taught us stuff uh, as well as um you know hopefully teaching other people that listen to this. So yeah, we will get this get this shared, get this out there. But to wrap it up, how can people find you should they want to? Best place is Instagram, Emilia Thompson PhD. Um, I also have on my website tons of free resources for body image, relationship with food stuff. So that's emilia.fitness. You can just download them all. Perfect. There you go, guys. Uh, loads of stuff that you can get involved in there. And I hope you've really enjoyed this. And a huge thank you to Emilia again.